Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week, a new week of Cinematics. This is actually Thanksgiving week for Cinematics. This is episode 217, shortened week. We're actually recording on a Tuesday because Bruce Perky, you have to work on our allotted time on Wednesday. Bruce, you you pulled a fast one on us. How, how's that about pulling a fast one? Or did you pull a gradual one? Yes, as Eric is dodging. Yeah, so. Two weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, I thank you for being so flexible both weeks. Uh, but yeah, they had me working on Thursday, and I'm or I'm thinking I probably our whole our whole Thanksgiving day is going to basically end up being Wednesday because I'm working on Thursday. So, so sorry. I figured probably wouldn't go over so well in the middle of Thanksgiving to say, hey, I'm <laughs> piecing out. I'm going to go do an hour or two on a podcast. Well, thank you because aren't you guys prepping for tomorrow too as well as, as you're recording? I'm sure there must be food you guys have to prep for tomorrow. Uh, we are we are cooling one cheesecake right now. We're cooking another one after that, and then after that, we're doing a pumpkin pie. So we're doing all of the pies and cakes tonight, and then oh, tomorrow wow. we're doing the prime rib because we don't do turkey; we do prime rib. That's a, I'm bringing class class up the <laughs> Eric place. Gives a thumbs up on that. <laughs> Is are you going to have just the immediate family, or are you going to have some? Some relative stragglers come into the perky household. <laughs> I'll tell which relatives are the stragglers. <laughs> no, it's just immediate family. It's just our our direct family and then grandparents, and that's pretty much it. Yep. That's and yes, that's the way it should be. No extended family, right, Eric Holmes? What are you? What are you and your family doing for this week of Turkey, Eric Holmes? I don't know. I will be uh, working karaoke on Thursday, so I don't know. Maybe swing by early. Um, I'm not sure. I have no, I have no life or plans. What is your, kind of like like you, Greg, (laughs) kind of like me. (laughs) What does your mic sound? So Nat King Coldish, it sounds almost as breath as developed as mine. Oh, how do you sound now? Let's try it. Try it, Eric. Check, check one, two. I don't know. I think you sound great. Well, Bruce, what do you think? Doesn't his voice sound a little bit different with the with the way he sounds this week, or am I just getting old? Sounds good to me. Sounds. Thanks for making me cut that, Eric Holmes. I have to. You know, I spend so much time cutting our podcast. Our podcasts are usually about eighty minutes. I cut about thirty minutes. I don't know, Bruce. You ever listen and and notice the difference? The the, the, uh, the edits, the cuts. Sometimes I can hear the cuts, but I was just thinking, all you got to do is just cut that into a duet with Nat King Cole, like his daughter did. And <laughs> all right, very that's very hit. very good. So you're yeah, working. And on- if if you cut it in and leave it in the thing, we don't have to worry about a strike because it'll be. I'm, I've been bleeping you a lot on those those YouTube videos. A lot of stuff, Eric. So a lot of forgettable clips from you eric Holmes, but it's with all the hard work you do i deserve all of those edits i need to do that work myself so you're working on thursday eric you're not going to celebrate some maybe on wednesday like like a bruce uh, just have a, a really big meal the day before eric or just just not just you're just gonna be like me i'm, I'm not I, I i don't think i'm even gonna have turkey i've never i don't think i've ever had i think i've had turkey once in my 52 years Turkey's not bad. It's not great. Leftover turkey's really good, but like fresh turkey, not 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 your usually you usually just uh, pretty dry. I mean, you can make it correctly, but it's 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 not an easy one to master. I don't think. Okay, as far as mastering things, we might master a couple of movies for the year 1996. For this month's Patreon, we are covering Project Alf, the movie or the Alf movie. I don't know how do you 
Eric, is there a proper way to pronounce or enunciate? What is this movie? Is it just called Project Alf, the movie that you're, you're cho- you chose? I think it's just called Project Alf. Project um, Alf, okay. Might be. Because I, I think it was a TV movie, so I don't think they would have had the, the movie at the end All of right. it. I could be wrong, but okay. I think it's just Project Alf. So for this month, for our bonus episode for our Patreon members, thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. We are covering Project Alf, and the second one is a Patreon member choice, and that is Heart 8. A lot of people love to call it Sydney. When's the last time you saw Sydney, Bruce? That PTA film. It's been maybe, what, 20 years? No, actually, I didn't see it for the first time until, I want to say, maybe five years ago. That was the one I hadn't seen. So it'll be a a relatively recent rewatch for me. So yeah. Okay. And Bruce, over the weekend, did you want to tell listeners what you were doing as far as promoting our Cinematics brand? But more importantly... Spending time with our podcast brethren. Yeah, I popped in, did a little, like, very short guest thing on Middle Class Film Class. But more importantly, (laughs) talking about Paprika on there, which I'll mention again here in recommendations. But more importantly, I was in the chat when they were doing their Twitch stream, and I was answering their trivia questions and getting a lot of them right and getting called out as a cheater because I (laughs) guessed what uh, the game was. What is the... These are original titles for movies... That ended oh. up being titled something else. And especially one of them came up and they said, what movie originally had the title or the working title of Head Cheese? And I immediately answered that because I knew what that was. And they thought, no way. He looked it up. And I felt very, very besmirched by that. <laughs> I, Bruce, I, I will back you up there. I too knew about Head Cheese. Yeah, right? Head, it's obvious. Everyone knows what <laughs> movie was called Head Cheese. Come on now. And before we get to our features, Eric, what have you been doing the last week? You, you've done so many interviews. Are you burnt out from doing these interviews? Or do you still love doing them? You still, you're still into talking to people, artists, fellow artists, Eric Holmes? No, not, not burnt out at the moment. Just get a bunch of them. Usually get a bunch of them done in like a day or two, but... They're pretty fun. Uh, I guess one of the weird things is like, uh, you know, I'll I'll have watched uh, six movies in a week and I can't talk about any of them because they had to save that for the following week because they're embargoed or whatever. But um, yes. other than that, um, the, the interviews themselves are usually pretty fun. People are always really nice and uh, usually get some interesting conversations going. And it's, it's very hard for you, Eric, since you do a bulk of these interviews and you watch the movie a week ahead, but then you have that week's worth of movies to watch, which you don't do interviews for, but you, you're remembering the movies we have to review on cinematics. By the time we get to your movies, the following week, it's hard to really give out a concrete review. Am I correct on this? Because I've uh, seen so okay. many movies since. I will say my old man goldfish brains don't retain a lot of information. <laughs> so sometimes it is a bit difficult, yes. Okay, well, let's see. Let's apply your old goldfish man brains to this movie from Sony Pictures Classics. We're getting into our features right now. They shot The Piano Player. It's in it's in theaters this Friday, November 24th for a one-week qualifying run. I did not get to the... This, we had three days to watch this movie. I, Bruce, you you saw a little bit of it, and it was uh, what what happened? Did you were you were you on a UHF channel, and it was uh, it was kind of weird? You can't see it on the TV. I'm making up an excuse for you. No, I had to make a choice. I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to get to watch very many this week because my week was very packed, and I was just like, I wasn't digging the animation style, and I was intrigued by the other movies, so I went to another movie instead, and I watched about 15 minutes of it, and I might have missed a great movie, but. I cannot speak to it. So. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe Eric will speak to it in a couple of moments. It stars, or I guess maybe voiced by 
Jeff Goldblum, Caetano Veloso, and Joao Gilberto. It's directed by Javier Mariscal and Fernando Trueba. It's written by uh, Fernando Trueba, and it's 103 minutes, and it centers on a New York music journalist who goes on a quest to uncover the truth behind the mysterious disappearance of a young Brazilian piano virtuoso, what is it, Tamorio Jr. So it's an origin story of the world-renowned Latino musical movement, Bossa Nova. Now, here's the thing. I love jazz. I love this title. They shot the piano player because that is a riff off of, is it Truffaut? Uh, shoot the piano player? Truffaut, shoot the piano player. I'm a huge fan of Bossa Nova. I don't know. Might be my movie. I got another screener link for this, so I might actually end up watching They Shot the Piano Player. I was not in time for this movie. The poster looks really cool. Eric, all of these nice things I said, the mixed things that Bruce said, where do you land in the spectrum since you are the only one who's seen They Shot the Piano Player? Well, it very well could be a Truffaut reference because they do uh, uh, mention his movies. This is a very strange movie. Um, Do you remember that movie Bernie with Jack Black? Yes. How it's part narrative and also kind of part documentary at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, add animated movie. And then this is kind of similar to uh, this is kind of similar to Bernie in that regard. Not, you know, it's not a a murder mystery so much as a missing person mystery. Uh, The uh, Tenario Jr., uh, just went missing during uh, some coup struggle. So Jeff Goldblum's character is going around. He's like a writer. And he's just going around interviewing people that either been friends of his or have played with them, so on and so forth. And he's trying to not only it's weird because on one hand, it's kind of a music doc of here's this here's this guy that Jeff Goldblum's character is like really interested in and, uh, you know, a fan of. But it's also he disappeared in very strange circumstances so he's trying to learn a little bit of something about that so it kind of becomes a bit of a uh uncovering a mystery as well how's the music oh uh, if you like jazz it's really good i'm not a huge jazz guy but i i dug a lot of it i think greg if you're a jazz a jazz person i think this would definitely be right up your alley i also need to point out that the uh animation in this is kind of uh basic and it's got like a it's got some ralph bakshi kind of flavor to it it looks like it's uh what they call it like rotoscope kind of animation the backgrounds are detailed as hell oh my god like i I had it there was a couple scenes i had to like go back because i just kind of missed the story because i'm just you know because they do like the deep focus like they'll be in someone's room and there'll be like a whole thing of like books or uh music on the shelves like way in the background of their apartment where they're interviewing them at and they got like you know they just went in and drew like all the all the titles and everything and i'm just looking at like all the all the backgrounds and stuff it's as rudimentary as the characters are and the animation is there like the the background in the animation is extremely detailed and eric did that combination work for you because obviously it didn't work for bruce i mean he was a little bit critical of the anime or maybe it wasn't the animation style wasn't for you bruce but was it for you eric I would say it was distracting because, as I mentioned, like a lot of it, I was so enamored with the detail in the background that I kind of wasn't paying attention to what was being said. And a lot of it's subtitled, too. So, like, instead of instead of reading the subtitles, which I should have been doing, I was too busy going, oh, uh, let's see what books they got in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, there's a there's a dog in a car, like just, you know, animated, like way, way, way in the background. Let's, Let's take a peek at that. I, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing to kind of knock a movie for that. But I mean, it, it was just something that I experienced watching it. 
But this is a really interesting way to go about a music doc. And because it's kind of part doc, it's kind of part narrative and definitely interesting throughout. Did Plus, it hit the t- Je- hit- Jeff Goldblum. You're right. It sounds like a mystery type of film where you're trying to figure out it did it appeal to you with what happened with the third act that was it a satisfying enough story for you to recommend this film well what do i say about that i'll I'll say this and then if you think this is too much feel free to cut it out but it's every bit as satisfying as zodiac is if that makes sense oh that doesn't make sense to me but i i I like zodiac so that's a good thing right Oh, oh 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 i get oh okay i get i get what you're saying yeah but yes the answer is yes is it do you understand that bruce that sort of reference okay yeah i get that okay you get the reference okay good good reference eric your rating on they shot the piano player in theaters for an oscar qualifying run november 24th what do you think uh this oscar qualifying run good luck to it i think it would do quite well i'll give this uh four stars oh uh, but there's a lot here to like i think greg i think this would probably be more your movie than it would be mine i know that uh anderson and brian on the film ball like there's a whole thing about like music docs i think this might be a music doc that anderson could even find interesting because it just takes such a uh unique path or a unique way to do a music doc like this Okay, so it's not as specific, even though it's a specific genre of music, and I love jazz, it can appeal, like it appealed to you with the four-star rating, right? It, yeah. It has, okay, well, solid review, Eric. Thank you for your four-star review of They Shot the Piano Player. I will try to check that out as well. And maybe, who knows, down the, down the road, as I'm trying to focus on just making sure that we see movies when we have the time, I might actually just force this. I, I don't know, maybe I'm going to try to get Bruce within the next year to see they shot the piano player. Who knows? Maybe a second time will be the charm. Maybe he might do a rewind on They Shot the Piano Player. Maybe it might take bribing. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it will take a little bit of man-to-man time in a wooden cabin, a wooded cabin out in the forest, out in Mother Nature. There might be smoke all around us. I might be pouring water over Bruce's head and most importantly, <laughs> water over the coals. There will be smoke and steam running out and we might tell stories of our past bruce will talk about his days in a punk rock band called the oh i was in several but uh let's just say soylent green that was that was he <laughs> was part of a band called so we will talk about stuff i don't know if it'll make a good movie a good documentary that said smoke sauna sisterhood is a film by anna heinz or hints i forgot how to pronounce her last name my bad. It received a it's a winner of directing award world cinema documentary at Sundance. So she won a director award at Sundance. Anna Hintz, very, very talented. And again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her name. Of course, you can say this movie is a very steamy experience. And that would be something something a stupid person like me would say, because you're going to see a lot of steam. You're going to see a lot of smoke. You're going to see new bodies in the sauna, all women. And for 92 minutes, they talk about their respective lives, issues they face, and it's basically 92 minutes of watching these women talk honestly about their respective lives. It's beautifully shot as well. So if you think this is not something I'm going to want to watch because it's just women talking about, it might be, if you if you don't like dialogue-driven movies, why should I like this movie, this documentary? Well, because it's visually immersive, in my opinion. I don't know. 92 minutes. How did this movie slash documentary strike you bruce i actually enjoyed it quite a bit but this like you said this is a very acquired taste i think that like you said if you don't want to be just 
in the room with these women just talking about their lives, then you might you might have a tough time with it. I think that if people give it time and and actually listen to the stories, I guess you'd say, there is a lot of compelling stuff here. Uh, It looks like to me, first of all, it looks to me like it was filmed over several different time periods because there's times when they go out, there's little breaks where they go outside and jump in the water or take a dip in the frozen pond or whatever. And sometimes it's a frozen pond, sometimes it's not a frozen pond. So I think they must be doing this over a period of a year or something. I don't know. Right. You get the sense did you did you see something about that? I was wa- I was looking at one of her interviews and she was saying it took seven years to make it. So I don't okay. know wh- whether it's the production, Bruce, but to your right. point, obviously longer than a, a thirty day shoot, right? It, it took yes. a while to, to yes. shoot this. And it looks like what's, what what I get from this. What's interesting about this? There's a few things. One thing is it, it doesn't spoon feed you. It doesn't really say like who these women are or how often they do this or what the tr- tradition of this it is. It just lets you kind of experience it. It's in Estonia, if I remember correctly. Yes. By all appearances, it's probably a group of friends that are pretty close, you would assume, or at least some of them are. It seems like it varies from three to four women to maybe five to six women at a time. Uh, and the reason it's kind of hazy, first of all, like you said, it we kind of jump around. We don't know what time it's actually taking place, one segment to another. And the way it's shot is it's not giving us a lot of long medium shots inside the smoke, the sauna. It's right. a lot of close-ups of like a knee or feet while they're pouring water over the coals. I think we see maybe two faces. We get this yeah. actually two close-ups, but there's more than that. There's more women than just two yes. women. Yeah. yeah. So you'll see like a shoulder and a face or a part of a face and an arm and that kind of stuff. So you really, it, it forces you to, to focus on the words or what they're talking about. And the experiences are really interesting. They're talking about pretty much everything in life, right? They're talking about what it's like to be a woman in a society, but it's more specific than that. It might be talking about one woman's talking about how um, she was afraid of her father or her mother. Um, Another one's talking about pregnancy. Another one's talking about, at one time point, they're just talking about guys sending (laughs) D pics. I'm going to try to be (laughs) as G-rated as I can get. And just with the humor and also the reality of that for them, you know, kind of because you feel like it's kind of timeless and kind of almost old style in this, but then you have something like that that plants it into the contemporary. And there's a few scenes that get very harrowing. They talk about um, right to abortion and what that might mean. And And at one point, there's even a talk of what assault would look like. And that scene was jaw-dropping. Yes. Jaw-dropping. That is hard to take. That is hard to actually witness. It's it's hard to take. And I think that, like I said, it's it's like vignettes almost. As if you were in a movie where people are telling storytelling movie where people are telling different stories and you're just dipping in and dipping out of these stories and you're getting a feel of how important this communal experience is is for these people, but also just getting kind of also the universal life experiences of these women. Um, I think it's pretty interesting and pretty good. These vignettes, you you know, when you think of vignettes or anecdotes, you think here's a chapter, it it goes into the thing, but it's a sauna, it's smoke, right? The heat, it's like the one story feeds into the next. Everything is free flowing, it feels. Maybe, I think the only time you really get a feel of a, or sort of an edit is when there are some, maybe a couple of musical interludes Music interludes, which are really cool. They sort of just change up the pace of the movie. I was surprised at how much I absolutely love Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. This is a film that I hope more people discover. This is Estonia's official submission for the 96th Academy Awards. I hope people talk about it. And, you know, we won at Sundance for for directing. And I, I was just really moved by a lot of these stories, especially, I mean, there's a simple story about just the nurturing that one's parents can give or not give. 
and it's told in a heartbreaking fashion, but then there's a comedic element to that. So in this film, in this documentary, you get a lot, like you said, Bruce, you get a lot of laughter, but then they're also commingled with just this undercurrent of heartbreak and you need that humor and this sisterhood to get over your respective traumas. It's this, I was blown away by this movie actually. So anyways, Bruce, final thoughts and, and you're waiting on smoke. Sister Sonahood in theaters, November 24th. Uh, only thing I was going to mention is there are some interstitials where we're just watching these kind of really artistic shots of the smoke and of like trees and things. And you're hearing voices during that period too. And it almost feels like those are elderly or older people recounting than the people we're seeing. Right. And there's something very interesting that is done with the smoke, which we won't, I think, allude yeah. to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of an interesting way to break it up and kind of to like break us into the chapter. So it just wasn't just a steady, the sameness all the way through. Yeah. Overall, for me, it was really good. I, I don't quite go to five star territory. I think I'm going to go four stars on this, but it's really interesting, really good. And there's a few things I will never forget for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, four stars. I'm glad you rated four stars, Bruce. I'm giving it five stars. Five star banger for me. Smokes on a sisterhood. Again, the caveat to this is I think maybe you need to be in that state of mind to to get into this movie. Just know there's going to be a lot of talking. If you've I've spent a lot of time in the sauna, so as much as I love jazz, I love just so I probably will enjoy they shot the piano player. I love being in a sauna. I know, Eric, you're thinking, where's where, where's it taking us? Saunas are awesome. I've, I've spent many a time and having some really interesting conversations. So I not this deep because, you know, I don't know, man, what do we talk about sports and, and golf or, or whatnot? <laughs> we never really got into real personal stuff, but I could relate to the actual just healing. Eric, Bruce, can you back me up on this? Do you guys like saunas? Yeah, have you guys never, Eric? You've never, you've never done a sauna. You've never saunaed yourself with, with the rocks and the the water and the the steam and just to let the pores flow and then. I I grew up in the Midwest. I got uh, plenty of hot and moist. I don't need to do that on purpose. It's kind of like uh, kind of like getting uh, piercing. Like I'm, you know, I've done mechanic work. I've, I've pierced myself on accident. I don't need to pay someone to do it to me on purpose. Very good. You of the courtroom drama, you know how to rebut something. Uh, Bruce, what about you on, on saunas? Um, my version would be hot springs. I, I've been to some okay. hot springs and I really enjoyed those, especially if you find natural hot springs like in the mountains or something and you're sitting in a hot spring and it starts to snow or something. That's pretty cool stuff. Okay. Four stars from Bruce, five stars from me. Again, Bruce, do we warn listeners about this? Like, just get into the right mind frame if you can. Yeah, for this. yeah, for sure. Like, we have certain movies that we've said that are like that, like uh, Skinamarink or something, right? There's certain movies that you've got to go in knowing what you're getting and be in the vibe of it, or it's just not gonna not gonna be for you at that moment. So yeah, I'm just look. As much as I still haven't seen Blue Be Blue Beetle, I wish we did cover it. But there's how many how much time can, do we have to cover all the big movies? What that latest Hunger Games movie? I don't think any of it would have seen it. Eric, you saw the Marvels last week. Thank you for that, but. I'm so glad that we get to really cover indie releases such as this, as well as another documentary that is coming up called Billion Dollar Babies. I don't know, Eric, it's about the Black Friday craze, kind of. It sort of hints at the Black Friday craze to actually boost up the brand, just a brand title of Billion Dollar Babies. But this, this, this documentary talks about when Black Friday surfaced, meaning vis-a-vis -vis the rise of Cabbage Patch Kids in the 80s. That's something... Old heads like me and Bruce remember the craze. I remember my sister just pleading with uh, our mom to get a Cabbage Patch Kid and the craze to get that centers on that craze, the creators behind that. And it also delves into 
what is ownership? What is copyright? Who who creates what? And who's right in this situation? And so I really enjoyed Billion Dollar Babies. Eric, what else can you add as far as a plot synopsis or any kind of color to this and your thoughts on this documentary? By the way, it's narrated and executive produced by Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's much else you can add to that it's a it's a movie about the cabbage patch kids as far as like the the copyright stuff goes i'm usually pretty clear about that unless there's a billion dollar corporation behind it then all of a sudden it gets fuzzy for some reason <laughs> uh, <laughs> right like, right hey if, if if i steal an idea from greg and greg takes me to court i'm probably getting my butt handed to me but if uh, I steal an idea from Greg and Greg takes me to court, but I'm a billion dollar company, it's like, well, we don't know if Eric stole the idea from Greg. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for some reason, um, disgusting amount of money makes courts confused about how the rules are very clearly written. Right. And Eric, would you like this tidy sum of money to help? with your with your family just for one bit just to leave us alone and stay quiet those kind of <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um I, I will say that this movie i think is a lot more fun or this documentary is a lot more fun than it is informative um because like the stuff that they inform me of is to me like oh this is the documentary about cabbage patch kids it's probably gonna have some of this stuff in it and then i watched it and it had this stuff in it but there's uh still a lot of just kind of nostalgia into it. Like, Oh, I remember, you know, being in the Kmart around that time and stuff like that happening. Uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris doing the, the narration of it added a bit of fun to it. Uh, a little tongue in cheek fun. Like he wasn't trying to be tongue in cheek, but that's just kind of his personality that kind of comes through the original cabbage patch kids. When they get to that, like it was kind of neat to see the woman who created that and, Kind of her story, so it was nice to kind of have did her you, story. Did she really create it, Eric? I'm just kidding. She did. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's weird because, like, when they like I mean, the Eric, I, this has been doing that since the time of the Egyptians. What are you talking about? Come they on, Eric. Sense. Here's here's the thing. And I didn't I, you I, get the corporate memo? Didn't you get the corporate memo? I, I pointed you this get out. The golden parachute here, me and Bruce. I don't know about you, Eric. What are you talking about? I, I pointed this out to Andrew Jenks when I when I interviewed him. <laughs> it, it's when uh what what were they called the little the, people. the yeah the little people no it wasn't the little people it was uh, the little people is what Xavier's version of it was and they mm. switched it to Cabbage Patch Kids but real babies some, or something like that you call them yeah something babies? like that but whatever it was when uh, Xavier Roberts he is a prominent person figure yeah. in this so that's in reference to him regarding whether he created the cabbage patch kids or not like they were saying it was called he the didn't. little people and then <laughs> we did not create the cabbage patch kids <laughs> so, right right so anyways we'll get to that but, but yeah but I, I, I pointed out like when uh she was going to sue uh cabbage patch kids for stealing the idea they're like no no these are, look the noses look like this and her noses look like this and that's, that's like completely different and of course you know her hands look like this and our hands look like this. It's kind of like a, a vanilla ice saying, no, 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 no. It's not under pressure. There's this doo doo doo. Right. It's like, that's the same thing. That's that, that's <laughs> the exact same thing. But then later on, when the garbage pail kids come up, they're like, they're the exact same thing as ours. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, her, her uh, real babies to your cabbage patch kids are identical and Cabbage Patch Kids to Garbage Pail Kids are like night and day difference because they're so grotesque and weird looking. It was neat to see them kind of try to play both cards at the same time. 
Yeah. And they were successful at it, which is even more mind blowing. But that that goes to say, if you're a billionaire, you get away with a lot of stuff you should not be getting away with. True. Okay. Now, here's the thing. This I'm, for me, maybe I'm, I'm so I don't know what, what I'm thinking in my head, but this documentary, and I mentioned it's okay, Eric, you're going to have the, the interviews with the director and producer later this week on our cinematics feed. We'll talk about that later down the road. But Xavier Roberts, Bruce, what, did you find him to be kind of likable or was he presenting himself to be likable? Because a big part of this movie, well, not a big part, of this, a meaty part, deals with the original quote inventor of these dolls, that is Martha Nelson Thomas. And she just, you know, she just wanted to make these dolls for the people around her little ecosystem. And and here's the thing. This is the big issue. That's so sweet and unconditional and loving. And you can make a little bit of a living there. What's so wrong with scaling that idea up worldwide, making it a billion dollar empire, having Coleco pay you, continue to pay Xavier Roberts big checks because he's the one who was able to run with the idea. I just thought these that kind of push and pull was interesting. Do you think... Did that? Were you attracted to that part of this documentary as well? I, I was. I was. I was honestly interested throughout. I think this is as Anderson, uh, the uh, co-creator of Cinematics and current uh, host of Redacted, and Redacted, make- Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love you, Anderson. I'm kidding. Would say uh, this goes down smooth. This is like just, <laughs> just like spoonfuls of sugar. There's a lot to enjoy here. It's just fun to watch. Um, I also learned that if I want to create anything and make sure that I keep the rights to it, I'm going to sign it on the butt. I'm going to make sure I do that. That's very important. Um, no, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm, re- I'm rebranding it and see mine's a butt, not a tushy. So that's fair. Mine. That's still different. a family show. Still. Uh, yeah, we can use that. We could use that. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say, um, so for me, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think that this, even more so if you're younger, like probably 30 or younger, or anyone who's not even experienced this stuff at all, there's even more weird stuff to discover here. Because I think, for example, all the stuff, the quote early stuff with Xavier's like hospital and how they originally would have people come out and adopt the cat, or at that point they were like little little people. They'd come out and adopt little people and they'd have the whole, they'd really play it all the way out. Everyone was playing their parts. And I think that stuff is just interesting and weird and fun. And I think for people who wouldn't believe it, to see it would be like, wow, people actually did that to sell something? Like, why? <laughs> like, There's a lot, I think, of interesting stuff here. I think there's a lot of stuff also around like just Coleco in general and the idea of sinking money into this really proto version of a home computer and then the other things that were there trying to sell. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. And just the footage of people losing their minds at the time, which once again, I've seen that stuff before, but people who haven't seen it before might be like, what the heck? There's a shot of the one <laughs> store owner who's just throwing the things into the crowd there's i think there's a lot of fun here i i had i per- personally really enjoyed this well see my, my problem with this it, no it's a good problem though is i was just so conflicted because you're you're saying oh xavier roberts uh, he's not he, he's followed his dreams all that stuff you said about the hospital wow he spent all that time just envisioning this he had a staff of people working at the hospital yeah. there's babies coming out of literally a cab a cabbage patch or a made-up cabbage patch and you get to adopt them you have to i remember you had to sign the papers he was actually scaling up the creation of martha nelson thomas yeah and then the human side of you says wait a second it's heartbreaking. He seems like he's bought his own story to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. he doesn't, like, there's a difference. So you get hucksters who feel like they're just devious to the core. Like, they are just, like, 
sociopaths don't believe a word they're saying. They're just selling you the dream, right? He feels like he's probably about 80% bought his own dream. Like, I, I feel like he literally believes what he's doing. But even though he knows, like, okay, I kind of, okay, yeah, that part's not real. That's not good. But the rest <laughs> of it, he's kind of with. So I think that's the hard part. That's why you kind of kind of has this weird likability to him because I think he really is buying his own story to a lot of degree. I, I could be wrong. He could be just fooling me. It's possible. This has to be, yeah, this has to be a miniseries. I mean, the documentary stands as is. Eric, just chime in as well as final thoughts I, on Dwayne Dollar. I think Baby. he's, uh, I, I definitely think Xavier is likable. And okay. like, if I was hanging out with him, I'd be like, oh yeah, he seems like a cool guy. But this, just the one thing, and there was no reason for him to not give credit where it's due. Yes. And they've made so much money. There's no reason not to throw a couple bucks without having to go to court first. That's like, the look, thing. Look, you know, yeah, yeah. She she clearly came up with the idea. She's not a greedy person. Yeah, you know, she she just wanted proper credit with skin off. He could have literally thrown her like twenty five percent of all profits or something, and he, it would have been nothing. He could have thrown her a couple million, and it would have been a drop in the bucket based on yep. what they sure. Made. And, and it would have been the right thing to do. But I, I think I kind of agree with Bruce that he kind of bought his own BS. Yeah. This, this is a miniseries, by the way, too. There is a fictional miniseries out right now. Oh, this. okay. My bad. Okay, I'd thank to look you. it up, but it's, I think it's on, I want to say on Apple TV Plus. I think it just came out like a month or two ago and it's co-stars um, the woman from um, oh, Succession. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. now the question is, did Billion Dollar Baby steal that idea or did that steal yeah. Billion Dollar Baby? Yeah. Who director. Who signed the tushy? Who signed the tushy? Director like Andrew Jenks, who we just interviewed. Oh, what? Are you a crook, Andrew Jenks? No, you're a good guy. We love you. We, we interviewed you and producer Dan Goodman. Check it out on our YouTube channels and our cinematics feeds. Billion Dollar Babies, the true story of the cabbage. This movie, by, by the way, this movie reminded me, documentary reminded me of The Founder, where you're actually pulling for Ray Kroc yes. for the whole time. And then you're going, oh, no, Ray Kroc's going to do this to these brothers. Wait, am I pulling for him? Well, what is going What is going? No, no, you're going to rip them. Oh, yes, he got them. No, it's one of those things where you're you might even start buying into the BS. That's what I'm saying regarding Xavier. Billion Dollar Babies. The true story. By the way, if you haven't seen the founder, please see it immediately. See it yesterday. Billion Dollar Babies: The True Story of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Eric Holmes, your rating. Uh, probably go four stars on this as well. I mean, it's uh, as uh, Bruce mentioned, and as Anderson tends to say, this goes down smooth. I don't see any reason. I, I can't imagine anyone that would watch this and go, "No, I didn't like it." <laughs> there is something with, I guess, with that original creator when you hear towards the end. The children's reaction to Xavier, there's something that they, that they say about Xavier, which goes, what? Really? That's interesting. So anyways, just see it for that. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to see it. I really enjoyed this movie. I'm going to concur with Eric Holmes. I'm going to lay down four stars for Billion Dollar Babies, the true story of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Finally, Bruce Perky. Well, the garbage pail version of me, Poopy Perky, would give it one star. But <laughs> I, I, the real Perky, the one that has a tushy that's signed, uh, I will give it four stars as well. Four stars across the board for Billion Dollar Babies, the true story of the Cabbage Patch Kids. And if you're out this Black Friday, please be kind to your fellow neighbor. I hope this documentary gives you a little bit of enlightenment on, no, it's, it's okay to live in a capitalistic environment, but I don't know, maybe not ruin a couple of lives in the process. Right, Eric? I, I don't know. It's, it's asking too much. 
I just really quickly want to point out that Poopy Perky merch will be available soon. Oh, here we go. On, don't you dare put it on findyourfilmpodcast.com. Findyourfilmpodcast.com, where clothes and merch is made by Eric Holmes. Eric I want to see that. <laughs> Poopy Perky. Does it kind of, is it going to be a brown on brown cinematic shirt? Because we need some of the green into it. Because, you know, we we have that sort of green thing. You can pukey Perky if you want to. <laughs> I think Eric will. will like a... What, What's a uh, slimy spheres of Vosti? Like, well, you don't have to make a shirt for that. We all we already know what's going on with me. So it's like slimy spheres of Vosti. Hopefully that does not stick with our cinematics Facebook group. I love that moniker though. Very good. Eric Holmes. Look, we're done with our features. We're done with our show, Bruce. Should we go now? Do we have any recommendations? Are we finished? Eric, you have some Bruce or Eric? Who, do you, who wants to go first as far as recommends? Um, I'll go quickly. I'm going to talk more about these these two. Um, on the was it Flick City? The, the, Flick City, the, yeah, in, Flick City yeah, 91. The, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go more deeper into it. Uh, but I uh, watched uh, Do Justice, uh, written and directed by Javier Reyna, uh, starring Jeff Fahey, Kellen Lutz, Efren Ramirez. It's uh so. Kellen Lutz plays Max, his uh, wife and daughter get killed, and he goes uh, trying to find out who it is and goes on a revenge tear. This is, I, I pointed this out to Javier and he does not agree with me, but this is just kind of my take on it. But I thought Do Justice kind of worked as a uh, kind of a superhero origin story, more along the lines of a Batman and a uh, Punisher than it does like a... Okay. Uh, spider, like, cause you know, the, the guy doesn't have superpowers, but he does kind of... Uh, go on and go beyond the law so to speak did javier respond in a very hostile manner like what are you saying no Eric no Holmes? no what no, the no. F? <laughs> it, it wasn't did like you that. watch do justice <laughs> no it, it, it wasn't quite like that it was just it was a friendly disagreement i guess okay but uh but I, I still saw this as kind of like a superhero origin story but like a superhero without superhero powers if that makes sense eric holmes before um, you okay cool before you do levy a rating and before you finish with this little mini review because we're gonna get to the thing yeah you can't rate it uh, you, you have to rate every movie starring jeff fahey i think bruce i don't know if bruce is on board with this but you and i because we mind meld on these kind of kind of movies every movie starring jeff fahey needs three and a half it's a three and a half star upscale it can't there's no jeff fahey movie that can be under three and a half stars i just want I'll to do you i'll do you one better and go three banger on this okay um, good good but yeah jeff fahey was definitely different ramirez of santiago but jeff fahey like played a really good villain in this okay. um this is this is like a really good uh what, what do you call it like a action thriller kind of thing um, sort of like i don't want to say b movie because this is better than no, a b, b movie, movies but, are good that's but, not jordan it, i don't think it's got like uh like the early 2000s or like uh okay. early 2010s when they started having like a bunch of straight to video movies come out and then you come across them and go oh this one's really good uh ritual killer Okay. Ritual Killer. This is kind of on the level of Ritual Killer where it's like, ooh, we love that. Yeah, it's it's uh, not going to be for everyone, hence the three-star banger. But I think that like if you saw Ritual Killer and you dug it as much as I did, then I think you're going to get something out of Do Justice. Uh, but if you're a side Ritual Killer and you're like, eh, maybe this one's not for you. Okay, so this is very quickly Do Justice. It's in theaters, on digital, and on demand November 24th. So check it out. If you don't check out our interview, this uh, we're going to uh, release Flick City probably on Thursday. So the interview with Javier Reyna. So you can actually listen audio style to see if Javier was friendly disagreeing with Eric Holmes or not. And 
I hope you have some about Jeff Fahey, please. No, no Jeff Fahey questions? Because you know, I, I, Don't you love Jeff Fahey? Lawnmower man, Bruce? Come on. Yes, Eric? No no Fahey questions. What? Oh, no no, no Fahey questions. He was oh, brought so, up, though. He was oh, good. Up. Good. I'm glad he was brought up. So again, November 24th on digital, on demand, and in theaters, Eric gives it three stars. What's next as far as recommends for you, Eric? Next one is a movie called Liberty, uh, written in direct directed by Phil Dwight DeWitty okay. and starring Nicholas Michael McGovern. So Nicholas Michael McGovern plays this uh, guy, Matthew. He uh, goes around with like his blow dart and just hits random people, knocks them out. And then they all wake up in a pile and they're all in a cage. Matthew is like a animal rights activist, I guess. And he wants to record and document him entrapping all these people and keeping them in a cage and treat him almost exactly like we treat animals in a zoo because the the whole idea here is oh we treat animals like crap and there's plenty of documentation in fact you can go to a zoo and just see like an animal just sitting there in a cage but he thought that hey if i entrap humans in the same way take video of them and put it side by side with the animals then that'll be a way that people kind of uh say oh Now I see how you're treating us and how horrible it is. Maybe we shouldn't treat animals in that same way. I got really strong groupers vibes from this where it's, uh, you know, an idea that makes sense, but the character kind of takes it to an extreme, kind of like similar to the groupers, like, uh, you know, is being gay a choice. It's like, yeah, but you don't kidnap people and hook them to a when you're trapped to the point but you can do that in a movie like that because the movie is just a movie and you can still make that point same with liberty like you don't you don't kidnap people and and you know keep them in the cage to prove a point because you're you're kind of going against your own thoughts on that but at the same time if you make a movie about a person that did that it becomes very effective in the idea that tries to get across Okay, so this is Liberty. It is on VOD as of we speak. We're recording on November 21st. Came out. It's now out on VOD. Eric, so for this week's interview feed, you have did you interview Philip Dwight then? Is that was that your interview? Who and you interview? Nicholas Michael McGovern as well. Oh, Nicholas Michael McGovern. Yeah. He is the the main dude in this, the main actor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nicholas Michael. So look that out. Uh, look look out for it on this week on our cinematics podcast feed. We're gonna Eric and I will just just banter a little bit as our intro for our interview feed. Those are the two recommendations for this week from Eric Holmes. Turning it over to you, Bruce. Yeah, I was gonna say it would be really interesting to ask the director if Liberty Two is gonna be the reverse where the character kidnaps or abducts a bunch of animals and puts them in the conditions that humans are in prisons. Oh, to illustrate a point, that would oh, that be very would, interesting too. That would be, that would be yes, yes, very good. Yeah, would people be up in arms about that? Okay, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what did I do? I rewatched Paprika. I'm gonna mm-hmm. pretty go pretty quick on that. So if anyone hasn't gone back way back in our history of mm, find your film, it under find, find your, your film, film. Yes. Oh yeah. You think? I think Maybe. it was. It might yeah. have even been movie mainline, but Who find knows? your film. I think. Yeah. It was definitely uh, a director's spotlight. Yes. Oh, I miss those. Uh, I miss those. And Satoshi Khan. Yeah. Uh, we specifically talked about Millennium Actress and Perfect Blue, but I know that Eric watched Paprika and I had seen it as well. So just a quick mention to that. If anyone hasn't seen it uh, or any of Satoshi Khan, check him out. He is one of the most interesting and influential anime directors probably of all time. He was had a very short career about as a director. He was only around for about 
I don't know, 10 years at the most, and uh, he died very young. Paprika is often credited as kind of uh, inspirational for Inception, uh, and to some degree it is, and to some degree it's its own thing, uh, but visually it's a lot. There's a whole bunch going on. Very, very interesting. The story is kind of all over the place, but also somewhat interesting. And even if the story doesn't make a ton of sense, there is so much visually going on that it's it's worth checking out, I think. Would you rank it right up there on the same level as, what is it, Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress? Was it on that same level for you, P- uh, Paprika? For me, for me, all of his stuff is at least, I think, four and a half stars. I think this is a four and a half stars for me just because the story is slightly is slightly lacking. I mean, that's a very slight knock, whereas Millennium Actress, I think is, I think that's his masterpiece for me. Perfect Blue, I just, I just love, but it's more of a pulpy, there's a little more of a pulpy element to it, which I also like that a lot too. I think those two are probably fives. Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika are probably four and a halves. And I think that his series that he did, Paranoia Agent, is probably verging on a five as well. Wow. So. Okay. The reason why Bruce did the, just a re-mentioned rewatch on Paprika, again, 2006, 90-minute film, animated film, of course, by Satoshi Kon, is because the crew over at Middle Class Film Class, I believe they talked about Paprika. How was their review of Paprika? And their, they it was co- good. I was, I was worried because, you know, anime is kind of a thing that some people just don't dig. And I was afraid like one of them might just absolutely hate it because it's a lot. It's not a very straightforward story. It's not very <laughs> coherent in a lot of ways. And they, they all either liked it or loved it. So I think they all uh, at least enjoyed themselves with it. Okay. So again, that's Tyler Noe, Joseph Navarro, and Peter Beta chairman board over at middle class film class check out their i guess maybe latest episode or maybe it was released a week ago just find their review of paprika bruce perky also guested on the you know and hung out with the guys too so check that out yes eric holmes i should point out that uh i don't know which ones they have left to do but they've been re-releasing satoshi khan's movies in theaters as of late with for sure with the uh, Perfect Blue, Paprika, and I think Tokyo Godfathers. But I would keep an eye out because a uh, Satoshi Khan movie could be replaying in a theater near you. And I know I'd like to see one. And I yeah. would definitely recommend seeing them in theater if you can. I think Paprika is just about to start rotating around and now. Maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, and also, but if you aren't up for that, I mean, I understand they are very easy to get a hold of too. I think most of them, if not at least a couple of them, are on Tubi. I, I this is on Tubi right now. If you don't have access to it another way, so I don't know, Bruce. You know better than me because I haven't seen Millennium Actress for for about two years, two plus years. But when I saw it, my first initial reaction, it was one of the best films I'd ever seen because and it the, the third act got me really emotional but i was amazed by the breadth of this movie was i overshooting with that with millennium i don't think so i love that movie i think because i think of all of his movies i mean all of his movies have really cool visual style because they really have that like personal touch to the animation like they really feel hand-drawn and millennium actress to me is the one that has the most emotional like narrative like oomph to it you know it really is uh, some people maybe tokyo godfathers to do that for him because it has a lot going on too those are probably the two most emotional they're not the least like heady and cerebral but i feel like millennium actress is kind of that perfect blend right because it's got this weird time bending aspect it's got a whole thing about cinema it's a ton of stuff about cinema and it's got a a, a, a life story arc so it's got a lot of things going for it that great you know long-lasting emotional movies might have for you yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen Paprika. So, and Eric, and since the two years, you've become a big fan of Satoshi Khan too, right? I think you purchased Paprika maybe on 
DVD or yeah. was that Bruce? Yeah, you purchased that as well. Yeah, I got the, the I found steel books of the Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfathers, Millennium, Millennium Actress, and Paprika. In fact, what was it? I think it Whoa. was Paprika that I got like a regular one, and then I found a steel book one, and so I have two Paprikas. Bruce, how, how could or, they or, may, or or maybe or maybe it was it was one that I got two of because I got the I, regular one, and then I found like a bunch okay. of steel books. I'm like, I'm getting the steel book at that one too. Did you see what just happened here? Eric just uh, Ocean Eleven you with uh, with uh, Trump you with these steel books. You, did, okay. you don't you don't have the million <laughs> bucks to get these steel books? You're okay with that? <laughs> Everyone has enough love to go around. I, I say go okay. for it, man. <laughs> well, I. I really want that Millennium Actress Steelbook. I might have to purchase that on Amazon. Check it out. So, all right. So, can we just talk about Satoshi for the rest of the episode? That will be. You know what? We got. We talk too much, okay? Because sometimes we have a music. No, most of the times we have musical interludes. Bruce, we talked about middle class film class enough. Let's get Bruce. Well, what, what is that? Uh, what is that? Uh, Joseph and Tyler, and especially Pete, do on the strings. What are they doing? What does Pete do every week? <laughs> they love to just roll that beat right across the table towards you. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? We're back the world according to Garp. Every single week, I say, Bruce, I'll I'll tag along and I'll watch this movie for you. <laughs> and only the only person who actually has been doing that the last couple of months, or actually the last several years, is Eric Holmes. Bruce, I think you're going solo on this John Irving joint, which yeah. is headlined by Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yes. So once again, world according to Garp, George Roy Hill, which is, should be uh, well for movie fans, is probably a no name, especially for the Sting, Butch Cassidy, Slapshot, Slapshot, Slaughterhouse Five, which I actually love Slaughterhouse Five, but that's not seen as necessarily one of his greater works. But I think it's pretty cool too. And this movie came out in '82. It was kind of the dramatic first er- effort, I think, by um, by Mister uh, Rob Williams. I don't remember yes. him doing like a, an actual dramatic one before this. We were um, old enough to remember when that transition happened. So I think yeah. it was yeah, 1982 film or something, 81 or I don't know. Yeah. I forgot what year. I think 82. Yeah, yeah, that was his first one, I think. And Glenn Close, uh, once again, it's one of her first uh, theatric or movie roles as far as she had. And John Lithgow uh, really made a splash with this movie too. I think he might have been nominated for an Oscar for this movie. I don't know if that's for sure, but I feel like it. Uh, this is a hard movie to describe, but once again, I loved it. It blew me away back in the day when I watched it, which was pretty much like 82, 83. Whenever this came out, I, I saw it on a VHS, if I remember correctly. I'm going to interrupt. I'm sorry. Best actor in a supporting role and best actress in a supporting role. Two Oscar nominations, Glenn Close and John Lithgow. Yeah, well-deserved. Uh, it's it's a sprawling movie, so it's going to be hard to describe it. I'll just kind of give you the basics. The basics is, I mean, the opening credits are just, uh, you know, the Beatles song, When I'm 64, Will You Still Love Me, blah, blah, blah. A baby flying through a blue sky, like floating around. First thing you hear is Garp. Yelled at the screen, Garp. What kind of a name is Garp? Garp. And it's the parents of Glenn Close, and they're appalled by the name <laughs> of her son, who they don't know who the father is. She immediately says, oh, well, he is some uh, some soldier who was dying. And well, you know, I needed a sperm donor. So I just jumped on him and now I have a baby. And that's kind of the, the beginning of the movie. And very quickly, you get the idea that she is quite a unique woman. She's a nurse. So she has this combination of like morality. She talks about the world being very dirty and like everyone's out for sex and she doesn't really care for that. 
that's version of morality she has, but also this kind of clinical curiosity. And as her son Garp grows up and becomes, you know, college age man, and he's really into writing and all this stuff. At one point, he's even starting to write. And she's like, she finds out he's writing about her because she's a interesting person. And she immediately says, nope, can't write about my life. I might want to do it. She apparently does that. And for the rest of this movie, she's always overshadowing him in one way or another. Other than that, this is just one of those, I would say, like saga movies. This is the movie like Little Big Man or these kind of movies where you follow this path of a person's life and they're just constantly having these odd and strange experiences and interweaving stories from their past and their, their present and that's what this movie is. And along with that, there's a whole bunch of... Okay, there's an interesting fact about this movie. I don't know if you kind of caught this when you've seen it, Greg. And Eric, have you seen this movie ever? No, I haven't seen it. I've never seen not, this movie. Not recently. Yeah. Not enough to remember much about okay. it. Well, I won't go too much into it. I feel like Greg might love this movie, honestly. <laughs> there's this thing about disfigurement. Characters throughout this story have things happen to them that disfigure them in one way or another in very odd ways. And I don't, I haven't ever quite figured that out, but it, it is quite odd, quite interesting. Some of this, it doesn't date or age quite as well for me. And I think part of that is because the surprises of this movie are part of its awesomeness. And as time has gone on, it doesn't surprise me as much because I kind of know the beats of this movie. But if, again, if you don't know the beats, it's... Yeah. I think it's oh. still pretty cool. I think it's still pretty cool. I think it's hard to say because also it's an older movie, right? So you see this with young eyes. This might seem very dated to you or weird. And it, it, it is kind of this Ivy League world, kind of like Igby goes down, right? It's supposed to take place, I think, in the 50s or 60s, probably about the 60s as he grows up. So you're kind of seeing the all of those things happening, but also in this entitled environment with this very... this strange character of Garp, who's really trying to cope with the world, with this very uh, unusual world he's living in. Uh, it's really, I'm sorry, it's really hard to describe. I, the other thing I didn't mention is there's a really interesting character of John Lithgow, who plays a trans character as a trans character in 1982 with an amazing amount of, now you want to keep this in mind, for that era, an amazing amount of sensitivity and actual complexity that is very unusual for that time period. And that's probably part of the reason he got so much notice for that. So we mentioned Robin Williams, Glenn Close, John Lithgow, Mary Beth, Mary, Mary Beth Hurts in it, Hume yep. Cronin, Jessica Tandy, Swoozy Kurtz is in it. Yes, also she's awesome. Young, obviously, a young Jenny Wright, and you know Amanda Plummer is in it. So what a great cast! I, I mean, I don't know Amanda Plummer who would be seen with Robin Williams years later, several years later in The Fisher King, right? So yep, very interesting for the world according to Garp, running at 136 minutes. Bruce, so how did you, you rented it? This is because it's the only way you were able to do it, right? Yes, you rented it? I did on Amazon for like a couple bucks or something. I think it's okay. worth it, especially if you've never seen it before. I think some people will be blown away by this. Some people will definitely be surprised by it because it's, I feel like it's kind of lost. I think it's mm -hmm. kind of forgotten to some degree, even though it's known, I think it's not by a ton of people now. For me, it was five star originally back in the day. It's probably about four stars now. I think it lost a little bit luster. But there's still a lot of great moments in this. And this is a movie like that where there are so many moments that are memorable and characters that it, it's a lot of fun. And Swoozie Kurtz is so good. I won't even describe her scene, but she's great in this movie. So Bruce, you said again, four stars for The World According to Garp instead yep. of fives? Okay. Yep. I have it here on Just Watch on Amazon, $2.89 to rent or eight ninety nine on Amazon to buy. What do, what do you think? Is it worth a buy? If or I would have had the time and I would have I would have run out to a nearby place, I probably would have just picked up a DVD or Blu-ray of it. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. Because I feel like this, I can go back just in 10 years and it might go back up to five. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those movies where it changes with your life too, because the character is going through the saga, right? So you might identify with the 20s version of him and you might identify with the later version of him. I won't say how old he gets because it's oh. a life kind of a journey in this movie. So is it one of your favorite, maybe Robin Williams films almost? Would you consider, or maybe performances or characters? It's definitely because... up there. I mean, I love him in um, was One Hour good, Photo. A lot of stuff. One Hour yeah. Photo. He's really good. I like him in um, good World's Hunting. Greatest Dad. Okay, World. Oh yeah, World's Greatest Dad. That's a yes. That's what a, a pull movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Shakes a clown. Yeah, <laughs> he's good. Uh, come on, guys. He's great in so many things. And <laughs> yes. I think people who love him and miss him and maybe haven't seen this movie, this is going to be like, wow, how have I never known about this movie? You know. Okay. So. Well. We're done. We're pretty much done. We're not going to have a uh, what's in the box thing for another couple of weeks because next week we're doing our Patreon, $5 catch-all. Join us on our Cinematics Patreon. Me, Eric, and Bruce will be talking about, I was going to say Shakes the Clown. We're going to be talking about Project Alf. We're, we're going to talk about One Hour Photo and we have some other stuff for our Patreon feed towards the end of this month. One Hour so Photo? Thanks. Did you say One Hour Photo? <laughs> Did I say One Hour Photo? <laughs> yes. We're going to be talking. No, we're not going to. I remember doing the One Hour Photo jun- junket and I, I really enjoyed interviewing Williams. That's why my, he- my head was on that. We'll be doing Project Project Alf and Hard Eight, a junket I also did. I'm so old. So many memories. So in the world according to Slimy Srizavosti. That's what's going on right now in my head. <laughs> so, all right, guys. It's fun. <laughs> Final of thoughts, Eric Holmes, and before we go. Uh, now I'm thinking maybe instead of Slimy Srizavosti, I just do I like that. Greg Slimy. Slick. <laughs> Greg Slick. All right. I'm not too slick anyway, anymore as I as I age out of this universe. Bruce, final thoughts? I got nothing. Just pooped perky sitting here. Just just, just, just call him. <laughs> okay, poop perky. Poop perky. All right. That's it. Again, you're stuck. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.